What do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting, and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. All right, we want to welcome you to this episode of the Niche Finder podcast. Today, we are privileged to have Kathy Dolan Schweitzer. Uh, she's a project manager, veteran, and a teacher at heart. Uh, she believes that healthcare gets better when we work together. She's also the author of the book, Health Well Done. She speaks to the healthcare construction industry about the importance of people driven strategies. Yes. Successful healthcare projects are no longer just about delivering on time and on budget. The increase in importance of patient satisfaction is redefining how success is measured in healthcare facility design. Terms like people-centered, people-focused, and family-centered care is the new metrics for successful projects. So without further ado, this is just a brief snapshot into the guest that we have today, project manager, author, all around great person, uh, also a survivor, you know, cancer survivor. And we want to just get all that she has to offer to us, not only to me as the host and listening to her tell these great stories that I anticipate that she will be sharing with us, but also to our niche finder community. We're just privileged to have, again, Kathy Dolan Schweitzer. We want to make her feel welcome and make you feel welcome, Miss Miss Dolan Schweitzer, to the program. Thank you for joining us today. And, you know, thank you to, to, I mean, this is so exciting to talk to your <laughs> audience. I mean, I have a lot to talk about. You know that it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's just a wonderful thing that you put on this podcast and it's, it specifically talks about your niche because it's very important to know your niche as well as to the fact of define it and go after it mm. as opposed to trying to do it all, as I would say. So, so right. thank you for having me tonight. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Well, it's my pleasure. for the, So to just get the ball rolling, uh, tell us why would the audience have a vested interest in your journey? <laughs> well, um, you know, look, I've been on this journey for about six years, six to seven years. And it, it has been a wonderful but a long journey. And I think 
Um, one of the key things is I always talk about my endurance, my persistence, mm. and my passion. Wow. And I think um, that that helps you to, to play the long game because it is a long game. And you have to have an open mind. You have to be, I would say, you have to have a learning mind because mm. your audience is what drives you. Your audience, are the they are going to be the ones that are going to direct you as to the products and the services that they're going to purchase from you. Mm. Mm. So they help wow. you build your business and your confidence. Mm. Um, tell me something. What did you want to accomplish at the very start of your journey? What did you want to accomplish as you were beginning? So what I wanted to accomplish was, I think one of the key things was health, right? Health to me is mm. like incredible um, priority. And because I started my journey after um, I finished with my chemotherapy and all of that, I realized mm. that people in our industry have a tremendous amount of stress upon them. The jobs that we do, project management, architecture, engineering, construction, whatever it may be, it is an incredibly important job, but it is demanding. Mm. And I think um, when I started to sit back and think, the, the thought was like, what can I do to help this industry, right? Because yeah. we are the builders, Right. We are the ones who build the buildings, the cities, the infrastructures. And what is it that we can do to help keep everyone healthy? Mm. And of course, it stemmed from my background and my job as a project manager in healthcare facilities. So mm. first was, how do we take care of the people and the patients in that environment? And so the book was written so that it could communicate to the AECs, the architect, engineer, construction industry, communicate how important their job is and how important it is to design and build facilities that keep people healthy. Hmm. Mm. And so uh, tell me a little bit about this journey and what external struggles did you find yourself dealing with at the very start of it? Well, you know, one of the things was I had a full-time job at Stanford Hospital as a senior project manager, and I actually loved my job. But when I came back from, you know, eight months being off from, you know, going through treatments, mm. there was something different about me. I had come back to work not only as a project manager, but as a patient. So I actually wore two hats, right? And I decided that I think six months into it because I came back to work sometime in January and in June was my birthday. So I decided I was going to hire a business coach to help me develop these ideas that I had because I had a mm. whole bunch of ideas going on in my head. Right. But the, uh, so, so that's what was the first step for, with me was to try to, was to hire a coach to help me get clarity on what I wanted to do. And I knew I wanted to write a book. Because at the time and prior to getting sick, my job was to, you know, facilitate uh, teams to build healing environments. And that was what my job was. And so when I got sick throughout that whole process, I thought, wow, our teams did a great job. 
but there were a lot of things we could have done differently. And I had a diff, I, I just, for some reason it changed me. And so the book was like, how do we approach this from a simple perspective? And it came up with three principles. And I, so again, you know, I, I, I'm one of these people where I like to try to keep things simple. And I said, well, why, if you're going to build an environment for people, you should have a people process, right? Mm. It's not. So, so the idea was to use these three principles. Number one, and this is a simple question, but sometimes people don't ask, <laughs> who is the patient? <laughs> so, wow. Who is the patient in sickness and in wellness, right? You have to know that person from when they are well to mm -hmm. when they are sick because you want to build something for them because you want to encourage them to become well. Then the second thing is who's on your team, healthy team. So it's healthy patient or healthy people, healthy team. Who is on your team and how do you share wisdom and experience? Because that's key, right? I mean, we love data. We love to just mm. look at data and numbers. How many rooms, how much money, how much time, how much, how much. It's always about the numbers. But yeah. my question to you is, if you've got a team of people together, they've got a lot of wisdom and experience to share. So it's who are the, so first is healthy patient or healthy people. Then it's next is who's on the team, healthy team. And then once you know all about the people and the, and the people are working together to collaborate and come up with the great ideas, then you give them the third step or the third principle, which is healthy project, which is the backbone, the structure. That's the process that takes you from start to finish, whether you have three people or you have a hundred people. Hmm. And that's, how, that's so that framework that you're talking about is, is something that you apply while you're doing a project manager, but it sounds like almost, almost, it reminds me almost like the Stephen Covey uh, principle of beginning with the end in mind. And so the book, the book's, basically is all about that it's using those three principles mm. right healthy people healthy team healthy project and it gives you that framework now it's simple so no matter what happens if you get you know i also talk about using storytelling as a communication tool okay. again it gets back to that sharing your experience and your wisdom mm. so when you tell a story about something or something that's going on in the environment or whatever it may be, people can grasp that idea, right? If you just talk about, okay, I need six exam rooms and six this and seven that and eight that, you may have to be able to knit the whole story and the whole picture together. But if I tell you a story, you're going to understand it. So for example... One of the things one of the, in the book, I tell a story about my grandmother. And so when you used to go to her house, Sunday was always dinner. And so what would happen is you'd go to her house. And so no matter what happened, she would be cooking in the kitchen. She would run out 
with her apron over her Sunday dress, kiss you hello, make you feel welcome, and then run back into the kitchen and cook and take care of everything. Now, she used to do two shifts because she had seven children. So the, the oldest were at three o'clock shift and then the younger siblings were at six o'clock and all their family. And no matter what happened, she would come out and talk to you and understand you. And then she'd sit at the head of the table and she'd knit all the stories together. Mm. And she might say to Uncle Jack, Uncle Jack, you know, Annie wants to be in criminal justice. Can you take her with you to work? Because she can learn something. Mm. And then, you know, Aunt Kay, can you take little Sean sledding you guys go up to the mountains all the time take him sledding he wants to learn how to you know to sled and she would just do that so she would listen to everyone hear everyone's stories and knit things together and mm. she would tell um you know a story from the old country maybe there was a lesson involved or what have you but no matter what my grandmother believed that you know working together and understanding and making people feel special was the way you know of the world hmm. and so you always felt like you belonged when you went there and you always felt heard hmm. and so that's a good example of how we need to go forward right i think we know we're just coming out of you know a health crisis we have social and economic um, issues, and we also have climate change. So how are we going to change the way we, we behave, all of us? And how are we going to learn to come up with new products and ideas? Well, we have to come together. We have to make everyone feel as if they belong. And we also have to look for, you know, the patterns and and knit, you know, again, knitting things together because, and I say that a lot because I think what happens is we have so much information right now. Mm. We don't even know what the heck to do with all this information. Yeah. It's the people that can take that information, knit it together, and come up with good ideas and good products. That's mm. going to be the magic there. Mm. I agree with you 100%. You know, in John Maxwell's book, Developing the Leader Within You, he has a great quote that says, when change is successful, you will look back on it and call it growth. Question that I want to ask you, um, just dovetailing off of that statement is, what epiphany did you experience and what new opportunity did you discover when that event happened? Well... You know, it's interesting. Again, I think what happens is when you go through these things, um, you look back and you try to figure out, of course, you know, you're trying to figure out how did I get cancer? How did this happen? Right. Mm. And a year before I was diagnosed, my boss had said to me, all right, I want you to go to the cancer center. I want you to build this chemotherapy, you know, uh, pharmacy over there. And I was like, no, 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 no. You know, not, you're not going to find me in that cancer center. I'm afraid of that place. No. And he's like, yes. <laughs> so he said, I absolutely need you to go do this job because this job is a big high ticket job and you're the only one who can do it. So, so I go in, I do the project. I finished the project in April 
It wins awards, what have you. In May, I'm diagnosed. Freaked me out. Mm. You say, what the heck? How did that happen? But again, there's a silver lining. The silver lining was, number one, I had one of the best chemotherapy pharmacies in, in the state. Number two, I knew everyone. And so everyone was incredibly so good to me. Um, and three, you know, I knew what it was like to become a patient. And, and, you know, one of the things when I got into healthcare, I mean, the nice thing about working in healthcare is it's a crazy business. Mm. But there's something about feeling like you're making a huge contribution, that you are helping people heal and have a better life. And I think that drives you a lot in healthcare. So even though people were freaked out and I was freaked out that I had cancer, I was kind of almost grateful for it and for the experience. And I know that's a sick sound. I know that's, I know, I know that's crazy. But I, prior to getting cancer, had gone to school for integrated medicine. Mm. And I did that for two years. I wrote a book called with two nurses, how to bring integrated medicine into a hospital environment. I started speaking at conferences on how to do this. Everybody in the conference seats were thinking I was smoking pot in the, in the parking lot. (laughs) 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 Okay. What's this one doing? You know, Um, (laughs) you know, yeah, yeah. Here she is. Like, who's the love child, you know, skipping across the audience telling us about how integrated medicine is going to be in the hospital environment. And, you know, I again, I had, I, I had such a love for this that I mm. I was convinced that this is the. But you know, I had never really been sick, never. I mean, yeah. I'm so fortunate. And when I did, you know, was diagnosed with cancer, I was able to use both. I used chemotherapy, yoga, Reiki. Uh, cranial sacral. I had nutrition counseling. I mm. we we used um, crystal bowls uh, mm. to heal. Um, I mean, massage everything. I you know I ran the gamut. So the the um, I used to have chemotherapy on Fridays. On Thursdays, I would go for um, reflexology session to keep mm. me calm. And then on Tuesdays afterwards, I would go back for a reflexology session to try to get rid of the residual chemotherapy. Mm. You know, so there was like all of these things that I did to really help me, you know, and I'm 10, 10 years plus out. So, you know, my doctor divorced me and, you know, because he said, (laughs) you're gone. I don't need you. I don't need you anymore. I only treat sick people. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. But yeah, so I think, I think, you know, things happen for a reason, you know, and you're put on this earth to, you know, do something. There's, you have a job, you have a mission and, you know, to find a mission is a great thing. Sometimes we wander around trying to figure that out for a long, 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 long time. Mm -hmm. But I would have to say that there has been steps for me and, and each thing that has been given to me, um, has been helped me to grow 
So for example, like three years ago, I started working at Columbia Medical University. Mm-hmm. And I think the year before, um, I was just trying to launch the book and get it published. Um, and, I, and it's a long process. It took me four years to write the book. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, you, you have something called self-doubt. Could you imagine that you would have a little self-doubt? Yeah. Yeah. It's, so mm-hmm. that kind of plagues on your head a little. But yeah. I have to say, when I got to Columbia, I really understood that the book had such great value. Mm. And I have to say that working at Columbia has helped me again, you know, grow as an individual and learn a tremendous amount. So it's not something I ever thought I would do, but I, you know, I'm doing it. Mm. Uh, So I think, you know, what is the epiphany of it all? Uh, You know, I keep trying to, you know, look at those things and keep going, but I always go back to the same thing is that I really want people to take care of their health and I want them to be healthy because Mm. I do believe that our healthy citizens are our best asset. And I think that the construction industry has a big responsibility in that because we are the builders, right? We build, we build houses, infrastructure. So I think we are going to have a lot more support now, now that we've had the pandemic. I think Mm. people are incredibly focused on health. I think people are incredibly focused on caring for each other, treating each other different. Which is one of the reasons why I've really started to promote, you know, uh, the um, people-centered leadership programs uh, and coaching individuals as well as um, teams. Because I think mm-hmm. caring is going to be one of our new currencies. I think people want to work for companies that care for, care for them and show them that they care for them. And work mm. on teams where they feel like they belong and that people are caring and everyone's working together and collaborating because the world is not getting, you know, simpler. It's getting right. more complex and everything is in layers. Technology has brought a tremendous amount of layers to where we're headed. So the funniest thing is, you know, when I talk about this uh, multifaceted crisis that we're kind of in at this point with health and social and, 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 and you know, fin- financial as well as um, climate change. It's like if we focus on having healthy citizens, think about if that was our priority, think about how much better we could do in the world. And it would mm. wrap, it would like just wrap all those those problems or challenges into one nice package and know that that's a good way to kind of solve things or as I said you know focus on that so as I you know get up in front of um, different audiences and speak to those audiences you know I try to start out with that large concept of think about how much better our country would be if we focused on healthy citizens and nothing else. Mm. Think about um, how our businesses will grow. Think about how our teams would work together better. 
Um, and I know it's it's it seems like a very simple, but it's a big big order. Mm. And I think you know we have people who have worked the same way for many many years, and they're not willing to come to another place. But the world is changing, and I think you know we're starting to really see that you have to um, care for your team. Um, you have to have a coaching culture, a coaching mindset when you're dealing with each other. It's no mm. longer someone's in charge and they're dictating to you what needs to get done. Uh, you know, because a lot of people won't stay there. They'll decide. Mm. You know, I, I I need to stay somewhere where I feel as if you know my skills and my passion and what I'm doing really has purpose. Hmm. Well, so, you know, I got a really good understanding of uh, your journey, a snapshot of your journey. This very next section that I do want to touch on is going to be what I consider to be your niche. And for me, in doing the research and in, in, um, writing the upcoming book, Dream Octane, um, there's five key categories that someone's niche will emanate out of or come from. Uh, the first one is passion. You know, what do you have strong interest in? The second one is purposeful. What do you do that feels meaningful to you? The third is patterns. What do you you do naturally well the fourth proficiency what what activities do you have you learned to do well over time and the last one is problem solving so if i go back up to the top uh, what do you consider to be your passions so you know number one passion for me is health right that's Mm. kind of you know being healthy is a huge passion uh, and helping people around me to be healthy. And I'm talking, I'm, I'm not just talking about physically, I'm talking mentally too, so that it's a holistic, you know, mind, body, spirit, healthy. Mm. And I think that's, you know, it's so funny. I, a lot of times people ask me, like, why would you get a master's in, in integrated medicine if you are in the construction industry? Mm. And it's like, yeah, I don't know, I'm a weirdo. I know. <laughs> you know, but I, but I think about it and it's like, why? Because it, it comes back to, um, you know, wanting to be healthy and wanting everyone around me to be healthy. I think that's a, it's, it's been a strange, you know, long drawn out journey to figure that out. But I think, yeah. you know, the funniest thing is the business is health well done. The book is health well done. Mm. And, and it's, you know, it's all starting to get a lot clearer now to me. Mm. And what do you do that feels purposeful? I help people. I coach people. I love to coach people. Mm. Um, I think I have had, I'm so fortunate. I've had a wonderful life, you know, uh, and I've learned so much. I've had quite a lot of different experiences you know i'm a june baby so i'm a gemini i'm crazy you know one of those things i got six person no i got two personalities no but i i have done a lot of things you know and i think uh when i uh coach my my clients um and the funniest thing is i always thought i would be really good at coaching women um Mm -hmm. and what i found that I have men that I coach too, and they I do really well with them. Mm. So, um, 
So, of course, you know, I thought my niche was just, you know, young, emerging uh, women professionals in the construction industry. And when I'm talking, you know, my clients, they, they come with all their degrees. I mean, they've got masters, bachelor's degrees. They are so smart, mm. you know. But what happens is they, of course... Remember when I told you about that thing called self-doubt? It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? They, <laughs> <laughs> I suffer from that all the time. But the the whole thing about self-doubt and confidence and facilitating teams, that's another you know key thing they need help with, is trying to figure out how do they manage the people dynamics within a team. And then also, you know, just clearing the air so they can actually have a career track that goes forward. And, you know, I also have a very good sense of humor. And you can only imagine that um, in the construction industry, a sense of humor is, is a very good thing. Mm. So I try to creatively tell them with a sense of humor on how they can manage and get around certain things. Um and then, you know, I, some of my uh, men clients, I have, I have actually a superintendent who moved to be a project manager. And so trying to get his mindset to become into a project management mindset was mm-hmm. very interesting. But I have to say, he was wonderful. He was very open um, and he listened well. And the first thing I told him is, look, just... I want you to pretend you're a spectator. I want you to watch your own self for a week and see what you're doing. Mm. And he came back to me and he said, you know, Kathy, I love that because I watched that I was a superintendent. (laughs) He said, I watched that I was in the trenches all the time and I wasn't, you know, moving to be a project manager. And I said, well, it Mm. takes time, you know. And so we were, you know, we're working with him on that and he's great, but But this is the kind of things that, you know, people struggle with. And I think as a coach, I understand, you know, business. I understand project management. I understand you need to have a good sense of humor and not necessarily take life so seriously. And last of all, I have a very creative way to, because of that, uh, again, that special education teacher background, I have mm-hmm. a very creative way to understand where they're at and how to move them to another place. Mm. So coaching for me is one of my most favorite things that I love to do. Uh, what do you do naturally well? Coaching. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what I do? You know what I, I, I inspire? I, I'm, I'm a motivator, an yeah. organizer. I mm. develop, I'm, I can see the talents in other people and I can help to inspire them and motivate them to do things for themselves as well as you know for the good the greater good and what about proficiencies what have you learned to do well over time my god manage a million things and stay (laughs) calm right I think I think for me I've learned patience which has been a hard lesson um I think that um, I've learned to be much more positive. So, like, for example, today was a crazy day. You know, I'm trying to please. I'm, I'm a people pleaser, too. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to please my boss. 
I've got to deal with my mom and her doctor's appointments. I'm trying to, you know, get ready for this. I'm trying to make dinner for my husband, you know. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've learned to just organize myself, manage it, and not get aggravated, not get, mm. you know, not not have a meltdown. Just go, okay, we're done with that. Do this, okay? We're done with this. We're done with that, and and that has been a big challenge for me because before I would just start losing it because it was just mm. too much. But right. now I'm just like, you can handle this, cat. You got this. You got you it. Got <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, well, so to be actually, this what uh, what problems do people come to you to solve? Everything. <laughs> Where do you want to start? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> So, you know, from a family perspective, you know, I come from a crazy Irish family and uh, I've been managing, you know, family issues since I was eight. Seriously, I, I, Mm. um, as a young age, I had a lot of responsibility. And um, as I've, you know, grown, my, my dad used to say to me, look, you know, you're the one we call because you're the more grounded individual. Mm. Um. And then, you know, I, um, I have two stepdaughters who are absolutely wonderful and I adore them and I have a granddaughter now. So that's, and she's just uh, the, the apple of my eye. But, mm. you know, grow, when they were growing up, trying to manage their schedules and the drama and all that that went on with that, that was something that uh, was not easy to do. And we, you know, we've got through it and we have a wonderful relationship with them now. And at work, you know, I'm kind of the mom at work. You know, everyone comes to me with their issues because um, I'm very compassionate and I understand each person, their talents and what they get stuck on, I guess is the word. Yeah. So they come to me and then I, I try to explain to them what somebody else is feeling and that's why they shouldn't, you know, be so frustrated about what's going on. It's, don't take it personal, you know. So yeah. I do a lot of that. I will tell you that at work, we started a social wellness committee um, just in time for the pandemic. Yeah. And that really carried and knitted our whole department together throughout mm. the, the pandemic. Um so, you know, those are the kinds of things I do, right? I organize people. I come up with good ideas. I make it fun. Mm. And um, and I just help people get through whatever it is that we mm. have to do in order to survive, in order to stay, you know, keep our heads intact and lower the stress. Mm. You know, I, I love it. Um, so that was your niche. We got your journey. We got your niche. And now what we want to get out of you in this last section, just a couple know. of questions. Is, uh, are your secrets. <laughs> we need your secrets. We're we, we going to siphon the secrets out of you. Um, so mm. if you were to look, you, you're now you're speaking to me, but I actually want you to, in your mind's eye, imagine that you're speaking to your younger self. This is before you discovered, um, before you discovered a coach that helped you to write your first book, before that you went into uh, even have an idea for, you know, your health well done, right? Before any of that, what would you tell your pre-niche self that you think would help accelerate you from where you are at that moment in time to where you are today? No, quit your part-time job. 
<laughs> you know, um, yeah. You know, that's that's always an interesting thing. I mean, you can look back at yourself, and um, I think I had a lot of static going on in my head all the time. Mm. You know, there was a lot of, as I said, self-doubt is a wonderful thing. I'm incredibly confident and fearless. Mm. And then on the other side, I, you know, I, I can self-doubt myself uh, out the door. And uh, I think that that helps to... Uh, you know, stop me in my tracks. Um, I think the other thing is I would always just tell myself to make sure that, you know, you reach out and ask for help because I, I was a little, you know, independent and I never wanted to ask anybody for help. And I think in your own business, you have to, number one, formulate uh, support groups, mm-hmm. uh, formulate um mentors and you have to ask people for things and that's not the easiest thing in the world to do um and you know you you really have to believe in yourself i think if you believe in yourself you can do anything um and i actually have been doing um uh, it's called so it's called tapping, but it's called emotional freedom EF, EFP, I think EFP, EFI or something. It's a it's a tapping, and um, if you look it up, if, if I could say it right, I can't, it's not coming to my mind. But that mm-hmm. has helped me tremendously uh, because what I do is I tap on what I'm not fearful of. And then I end up tapping on all my positives. And mm. I try to do that on a daily basis. It's kind of like, you know, you just put, if you put sticky notes all over your mirror and, you know, you can just, your mantra, what you say over and over again so you can believe it yourself, I think is important. Mm. And I don't think I did enough of that uh, mm. because I'm finding now that this is helping me tremendously. Like things mm. are coming to me once I'm clearing the static in my head. Wow. That's um, my message to my younger self. <laughs> um, what level of intensity does one need to have, in your opinion, to achieve their dream? You know, it's interesting. It has to be a balance. I think it's an ebb and a flow because I think things happen when they're supposed to. You can't, you know, it's like this thing where you can't just lay down and go, okay, come on, when are you coming? And then it's this other thing where you push too hard. And if you push too hard and you don't hit what you need to hit, you get tremendously frustrated and then you go into that vicious cycle. So, so, so me learning patience is number one. And number two, the other thing to learn is life is a stepping stone, right? It doesn't Mm. all come at once. It's you take one step, you're, you learn that you're on that level and then you can take the second step and transition. But being able to understand, especially in business, so when I came out of the gate, when I left, I basically gave, went into my boss and, you know, and said to him, listen, I want to work part-time. And then he said to me, I can only give you part-time for six months because I can't lose this full-time FTE. 
And he said, but I'll tell you what, why don't you work part-time? And he said, and then why don't you interview someone to fill your job? And then, you know, so it ended up that I, I, I left in May of 2014. And I okay. had a full business plan. I had, I knew exactly what I was going to do and everything else. Um, I joined the National Speakers Association, which is a wonderfully giving group of individuals that will be a support system as well as will teach you how to run a speaking business. Um, and it ended up that I just could not have a pipeline of sales, right? Um, and so for almost two years, two to three years, I floundered with that. And then I ended up going back to work uh, part-time uh, in project management, which I could make tons mm-hmm. of money doing that, right? That was no problem. Right. Um, but, you know, the speaking and, and promoting the book and everything else takes time and it does take a long time to make money with that. So I think, um, you know, that was a big, big hurdle for me. Uh, and I continue to push forward with it even though now um you know i'm working full-time at columbia in the morning before nine o'clock is when i do my coaching and i love that so Mm. it's it's a very hard thing right you have to keep one foot in one area and another foot in the other area and keep pushing it takes a lot but you can't get too intense because if you get too intense, your head's going to blow up. Right. So you have to understand <laughs> that it's an ebb and it's flow. You know, you get into a flow and things are going to go great. And you're going to, you know, it's like, it's like building that marketing pipeline. It takes a long time. You build the pipeline, then you get, you know, the rewards. Then it's back out there again and building that pipeline. And that's what I'm talking about, that ebb and flow. So, you know, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, I have one last question for you. And this is one that I, I it's one of my favorite questions to ask everyone that I interview. Uh, how do you know when it's time to change course versus staying focused on your goal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you what supposed I get. to ask me these hard questions? Um well, you know what? Look, I do a lot of reading and I try to keep a pulse. I'm very fortunate. I, I you know, I'm a member of the Professional Women in Construction, a National mm. Speakers Association. I definitely do a lot of reading. I try to keep a handle on the pulse. And yeah. then when I know that things are starting to change a little bit, I will change. Um, I try to use my material and I try to um, just update it and change it. A little bit. Yeah. Um, I might, you know, use a new title. I might use new graphics, and um, making sure that I'm meeting the audience's needs. Now, I'll be honest with you. Every August, I take about a week or two weeks, and I look at all of my material and I come up with new material. You know, mm. at that particular point. So once a year, if not, you know. I mean, I'm always tweaking, but usually once a year is when I sit down and I really think about what's going on out there and what is it that is needed. 
Kathy, I really want to thank you for sharing, you know, being so transparent with your journey, your secrets, and also your niche. If people want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Oh, sure. Um, They can go to my website, um, healthwelldone.com. Um, there they can find out any information that they want and they can also, um, you know, send me an email at Kathy at healthwelldone.com. All right. And so, as you know, the niche finder community, those who want to reach out to us, you can reach us on dreamoctane.org. And our mantra has not changed. It's still us moving forward. And, uh, you know, it, we believe that if innovative change is an engine, then your dream and ability could be its fuel. We thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Niche Finder Podcast, where we learned all things related to having not only project management skill, but finding a way in healthcare to combine those project management skills with uh, creating healthy teams, healthy environments, having healthy employees and workers. I think just think it's just an all around holistic way of looking at project manager. Uh, and, 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 and I'm hoping that, uh, through through her book and material that Kathy will also catch uh, would be just that spark that ignites the flame of passion and compassion for others. So Kathy, thank you for the work that you're doing and we appreciate you for being on a program today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, more to come. And if you want to get in contact with her again, um, you have the information, just reach out to her. She's a great person to get to know a uh, great personality, great sense of humor, and uh, obviously great insight so thank you so much for tuning in today and we'll see you on the next on the next episode where we have the very next expert who will be talking about their niche and how they're adding value through the things that they do and have in abundance thanks again